You're listening to Aussie Fire, a guide to financial independence for Australians. We're big fans of sharing experiences and talking about money. But remember, any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Chapter 6. Focus on Savings Before Earnings by Matt from Aussie Firebug. A dollar saved is better than a dollar earned. We've all heard that one before. The ability to save more than you earn is a fundamental principle on which FIRE is built. Hands down, the most important step for reaching FIRE is how much of your paycheck you can keep and invest. You cannot earn slash invest your way out of bad money habits. It will eventually catch up with you no matter how much you make. If you're spending more than you earn, you're always going to be broke. It's just simple mathematics. It's sort of the equivalent of trying to outwork a bad diet and expect results in the gym. In fact, there are so many parallels between good financial habits and being fit and healthy, it's uncanny. Most health and fitness experts would agree that your diet probably plays the biggest role in keeping your body happy. The other two major players would most likely be exercise and sleep. If you're nailing all three of those, there's a pretty good chance your body is feeling awesome. Savings is to fire what eating the right foods is to living a healthy lifestyle. And if we follow this analogy a bit further, we might conclude that earning money in fire is equivalent to or around the same level of importance as exercise when it comes to health and fitness. And maybe we can put getting a good night's rest at the level of investing. It's not a perfect one-for-one comparison, but it makes for a good metaphor, so let's keep rolling with it. I'd wager that 90% of fire content is either about saving money or investing, but we seldom read how to earn more money even though it has astronomical benefits when implemented correctly. It's true that FIRE is income agnostic, meaning two people with a savings rate of, let's say, 65% will reach FIRE roughly in 10 years, even if one's earning 60000 and the other one's earning 400000 But there comes a point of diminishing returns for both saving money and investing. The purpose of this chapter is to explain how beneficial it is to spend more time and energy increasing the amount of dollars that flow into your account. Anyone who is on this path is already doing some form of exercise, and that's earning money in this metaphor. But if you can look past your standard crunches and push-ups, you'll discover there are gymnasiums out there that are filled with weird and wonderful machines that provide all types of workouts. And when you combine a great diet with a dialed-in training routine that works best for you, the gains can be off the charts. BFYB Factor The aim here is to illustrate just how much of an impact increasing your income, even by a tiny bit, can have on your journey towards FIRE. Let's try and apply the same metric to the three most important focus areas, in my opinion, when it comes to reaching FIRE. Save more than you earn, increase how much you earn, and invest your savings. We'll call this metric BFYB, that stands for bang for your buck. So bang for your buck equals the amount of effort required to improve a focus area. Let's look at our first focus area, save more than you earn, and re-establish why it has the best BFYB value. Increasing your savings rate. Using the Australian Financial Independence Calculator, we can plug in Joe Smith's journey towards FIRE starting from zero. We're assuming he's a 30-year-old single bloke living in Brisbane who is a sparky. He owns a three-bedroom house with no mortgage, works 38 to 40 hours a week, doesn't have kids and all the below numbers stay consistent over the next 30 years to make the modeling super simple. 
There is a graphic for this section. So if you're just listening on the ebook, I suggest you download the PDF because it's a bit hard to follow along without it. Okay. So an Australian who earns $80,000 with a savings rate of 30% can retire in 21.2 years, roughly. Not too shabby. A 30% savings rate is already way above the average, but let's just assume Joe, whilst obviously a diligent saver already, is living a pretty normal consumeristic 21st century lifestyle with a heap more fat to cut. I don't think it's unrealistic or even that hard for him to go from a 30% savings rate to 40% given his circumstances above. The difference between 30% and 40% is $5,538 a year or $106 a week. I would almost guarantee that 90% of Australians spend more than $106 a week on things they don't need or even don't even want half the time, and this is myself included. Optimizing big ticket items like housing, transport, food would almost certainly save a whole lot more than $106 a week we require for this example. Anyway, if we bump the savings rate up to 40%, we wipe off 4.5 years. Bang for your buck is fantastic here. Now, everyone's circumstances will vary, but the effort required in my guesstimation for Joe to increase his savings rate from 30 to 40% is rather small and the bang for your buck value is high. And that's what we're looking for here. Low effort, high reward. And it's why focusing on your savings rate is absolutely the best way to decrease the amount of time towards fire up to a certain point. There comes a point of diminishing returns when focusing on your savings rate will not yield a good bang for your buck. And the hard part is that everyone is different because of different circumstances. I can only speak for ourselves, but this is what our bang for our buck savings rate chart looks like. And that is a graphic in the PDF document. Currently, we can pretty much save close to 40% of our after-tax income without breaking a sweat. That means no sacrifices or compromising on anything. The effort for us to save 40% is the exact same as saving 10%, but the effort required to maintain a savings rate of above 60% is when things start to change. For us to optimize our lifestyle further and squeeze out a few more percentages is astronomically harder to do when we start to get around the 65 to 75% range. Now, don't get me wrong, we could do this, and I have done that in the past, and that would speed up our journey to fire but at what cost? If I could draw from our earlier metaphor of our savings rate being similar to a diet, we could say that cutting out junk food from Monday to Friday and making sure you eat some sort of leafy green in every, not every meal, just every day, that's a realistic goal with a huge health benefit. But if we tried to never drink alcohol or eat McDonald's ever again, firstly, we might be setting ourselves up for failure. But more importantly, and secondly, Whilst being the healthy option, it's not going to have as big of a health benefit compared to the first goal. There are diminishing returns for eating healthy, just like there are diminishing returns for improving your savings rate. Increasing your income. This is the focus area that doesn't get enough attention. Increasing your income has a direct correlation with your savings rate, but for whatever reason, a lot of people never put in the time and effort to improve it. There's so much low-hanging fruit that doesn't really require a whole lot of effort, but has a high bang for your buck value. Now, looking back at the example from above on Joe Smith, we're going to change some calculations in the calculator and look at what happens when he increases his income. Now, you will have to refer to the PDF document to follow along, but I'll try to 
speak it out as well. So instead of Joe saving $5,538 a year, let's change the calculations to have him earn an extra $5,538 after tax a year and see what happens. So all things being equal, if he earns that much $5,538 more, he will have wiped off 2.7 years from his retirement date. Now, that's not as good as if he saved that amount of money, but I'm putting that bang for your buck value as really good. It's not fantastic. It's just really good. We're going to be talking about the low-hanging fruit later on, but if I'm being honest, Joe could easily make an extra $5,538 after tax purely from giving up more of his time. Let's assume that he makes an after-tax hourly rate of $28, which I think is being very conservative because I have Sparky mates and they earn way more than $28 after tax. Joe would only need to put in an extra 197 hours worth of work over the year. And that's not even factoring in overtime or weekend rates. An extra hour for 197 working days a year is really not that much. Some of the stories I've heard firsthand from young London bankers are absolutely mind-boggling. Think 70 or 80 hours per week and work on weekends is to be expected. Now, 2.7 years is not as good as our savings example above, which wiped out 4.5 years. But if we combine the two and put it in the calculator, we get epic results. Improving our savings rate and increasing our income by the same amount has annihilated 6.53 years of working. Now we're cooking with gas. But just like our savings rate, there are diminishing returns in the pursuit of increasing your income. And I keep coming back to circumstances, but unfortunately, it's very much a circumstantial question when we start talking about this focus area because we all aren't on an even playing field. Below is my personal increasing income bang for your buck chart. Let me explain what this means because it's important. Let's say I'm unemployed next year, which is most likely what's going to happen when I move back to Australia. Mind you, I wrote this chapter in 2021. And my salary is $0. Let's ignore investment income, of course. I'm scanning through the classifieds, looking for my next job. For this example, this will be my sole source of income. For my circumstances personally, it doesn't require any extra effort for me to land a job paying 100 grand a year as opposed to, say, $35,000 annually. I don't want to sound overconfident, but I have a certain set of skills and experience that the market is willing to pay me. And I'm 99% sure I could land a job close to 100K or at 100K, no worries. In fact, I'd probably have a harder time getting my old job back at Coles, if anything. Beyond 100K is when the effort required starts to increase and the bang for your buck value starts to go down. And remember, the bang for your buck value is the amount of effort required to improve a focus area. The effort required to earn a salary past 100,000 starts to increase a lot for me personally And the extra effort doesn't justify the extra income at around about the $130,000 to $150,000 mark. Beyond that, there's too much sacrifice and not enough gain, too many responsibilities and work-related stress that I don't feel is justified for the extra dollars. You may have certain skills and experience where earning $150K is actually quite easy and no different in terms of effort than earning $100,000. If we look at the ABS data from 2018, the median income for a full-time employee in Australia was $76,000 a year. If we adjust for two years of inflation, we can round that off to $80,000 a year, and now we have a benchmark. 
$80,000 a year is the standard form of exercise for full-time Aussies. One light jog and the occasional push-ups weekly would probably put you in the above to above average category of exercise in Australia, as sad as that is. If you're earning under $80,000 a year and have already optimized your expenses, you may be in a position to grab some really low-hanging fruit and increase your income for an excellent bang for your buck return. Adding in some resistance training, two hours a week is such a small amount of effort that has an incredible return. Not only will you become healthier and stronger, but you'll also potentially save yourself a lifetime of injury and illness that's so common in our sit-down, all-day 21st century culture. Cardiovascular and resistance training has shown to help with sciatica, pelvic tilt, back pain, heart disease, diabetes, etc., etc. I've always considered myself to be pretty active, an active person, but even I had hip issues three years after starting full-time work, which I 100% attribute to sitting down all day and not stretching my hip flexors or strengthening my glutes. These hip issues crept into a lower back pain issue, and before I knew it, I was going to the physio a few times a month. It didn't take longer than a few weeks of specific strengthening and stretching exercises to completely resolve all of my issues, and I continue parts of that program to this day nearly 10 years later. You don't need to jump into a 5x5 strength split or start yelling, yeah, buddy, ain't nothing but a peanut after every rep in the gym. Three focused 45-minute sessions a week offers great health benefits, just like spending a bit more time increasing your income can wipe years off your FIRE journey. Now you know why reducing expenses is the FIRE community's favorite option to achieve financial independence faster, and the following few chapters gives great ideas on how to do so. There's only so far you can go when it comes to reducing expenses in a bang for your buck way. So once you've done that, it makes sense to focus on increasing your income or at least until you reach the same bang for your buck point. I've got to say, increasing income is one of the most underrated tools for fast forwarding your fire date. There's a floor on how much you can save, but there's no ceiling on how much you can earn. So once you've got your spending sorted, read on to chapter nine, where I make the case for increasing your income. About Aussie Firebug. Matt from Aussie Firebug is an early 30s country boy from regional Victoria on the path towards fire. He's a big fan of all things tech, finance, and sports-related, and loves the Collingwood Magpies. He started a blog slash podcast that details his and his partner's journey towards financial independence back in 2015, and he continues to run it to this day. To find out more, check out aussiefirebug.com. We hope you enjoyed this chapter of Aussie Fire. For more inspiration, head to perla.com slash explore to browse our resources, calculators, and community insights. Perla is an authorized representative, number 1281540 of Sandland Private Wealth Proprietary Limited, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when investing. So always seek advice and or check out the relevant disclosure document for any financial product, including the PDS and TMD before deciding, which is available from the product issuer's website. When you invest, your capital is at risk and past performance is not a reliable indicator of future investment returns.